Hi, this is Mary Jo Ryder. Hey, Michael. I was going to say that's Just Mike. In the house. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this moment with M&MJ. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We sure appreciate it. Yep, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're sharing. We're so glad that you're giving us um, comments back, and we just want to let you know we appreciate it. Thank you. So. So. Here we are. Today we continue. Part three. Part three. Of our series on Appeal to Heaven. Last time, we went into some scripture and talked about um, appealing to heaven releases the angelic heavenly host to fight on our behalf. So we talked a little bit about scriptural examples with Asa and Jehoshaphat, and then went into and talked about what the founders had to say and that was about appealing to a heaven. lot. It was a lot, and it's very revealing too because you don't hear this stuff. Right. I would dare say that almost no young person right now is being taught this stuff in their history books. Well, in school. In in public school, in public potentially. School. Yeah. Right, right. So today we're going to talk about, I want to read the definition. I looked up the definition of appeal because some people might be going, well, okay, so what does it mean to appeal? Because you could use the legal definition that is most common nowadays, like an appeal is when you say, okay, I lost my court case, but I don't believe I should have lost, so I'm going to take it to a higher court, Uh which, yes, that is a definition of appeal. Mm -hmm. But I looked up the first definition of appeal that's actually in the dictionary is this, to make a serious or urgent request. And we're definitely doing that. It is serious, and And it is urgent. Yes. So what I'd like to do in... This episode, we're going to kind of uh, wrap up the Appeal to Heaven series. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> we'll see if something else comes up. But we're going to talk about, I'm, I'm just huge on history. And you know that General Washington in the Revolutionary War, you know that they had to have help in order to get done what they got done against the British. Right. Otherwise, they would have been overwhelmed. Totally overwhelmed. So, but I've... We've had this book for quite a while. It's called The Truth About Angels by Terry Law. And I'm just being the the avid student of American history that I am. I read stories about, and I love reading stories about Christian heroes in wartime. Mm-hmm. Just, and how God helps them and protects them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Alvin York's story. If you've not read Alvin York's story, Doug Mastriano wrote a book, a, a new biography of the hero of the Argonne. Uh, Alvin York, Mm -hmm. and it is, he actually looks at the life and the exploits of Alvin York through the eyes of questioning is, was his conversion to Christianity and his reliance on God necessary? So Uh yeah, he looks at it through a totally different viewpoint than what we're used to looking at it. You know, Alvin York went out and Captured 132 Germans and destroyed 25 machine guns. Okay, that's what you, what you might hear. But when you hear it from Alvin York himself, mm-hmm. he wrote a diary. He kept a diary. What you hear from him himself, before he left to go overseas, he was granted, I think it's a 14-day furlough to go home and say goodbye to the family, as were a lot of soldiers of the day. Are you so, going to tell the whole story? I'm going to tell parts of it. Okay. So he went home. And he had a mountain on which he would go to pray. Mm -hmm. And he sat there for two days and prayed. And he got his assurance from God that he said, God said this to him. He said, you go and I'll see to it that you get back. 
so you know there had to be angelic protection with what he dealt with. I highly encourage you to read the story of Alvin York. Read Alvin York's diary. Read it from that context, okay, that he needed the protection of God, and he appealed to God. He made a serious or urgent request. He's like, God, do you even want me to go? Is this yeah, something really that you want me to do? He was struggling he was, in his heart. Yeah, he didn't believe he Very was supposed so. to fight. Right. So. I watched today uh, in the Second World War, there was a, uh, a platoon sergeant in the Marine Corps. His name was Mitchell Page. Mm-hmm. Mitchell Page, was he was a Christian man. Incidentally, he was the model for the original G.I. Joe doll. Oh, wow. That was done back in the 50s, which is, and his story is just amazing. I was listening to it today. And um, he was uh, in, there's, uh, you can, you know, research the Medal of Honor archives. Uh, there's a video out on YouTube where he tells his story, and it's just powerful. He was talking about a fight that they were in, and he and a couple of other guys that were all that was left of his platoon, they just mm-hmm. got decimated by the Japanese. And he's running back and forth between his machine guns that are set up in his section and firing here and there to try to convince the Japanese that they were still intact and they hadn't hurt him, Mm. right? So he's at this particular point in the battle, a Japanese machine gunner goes and sets up to his left and is going to try to take him out. Mm -hmm. Well, he said it was like I leaned back and was just held back. And this guy started shooting at him, and he literally felt the heat of the bullets passing underneath his chin. Wow. He was that close. Mm-hmm. And he missed all 30 of them. There's a 30-round magazine on a Nambu light machine gun, mm-hmm. and he missed. Mm-hmm. And right after the last bullet came underneath his chin, he was able to move again and turn the machine gun and, and uh, deal with his Japanese machine gunner. Wow. And as he went over to this machine gun, he put his head down and put his eyes through the sights Mm -hmm. on the Japanese machine gun. And he said it was exactly where his head was. Wow. And he's like, something held me back and away. And as he was doing that, he was over at the Japanese machine gun position. His new Testament fell out of his pocket, opened up. Right. And these words literally jumped off of the page at him. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not under your own understanding with all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So there's another powerful testimony of, and you know, his mom said to him, he said, just trust in the Lord, Mm -hmm. trust in God. And, uh, he did. And, and God, God protected him. Um, in Terry Law's book, I want to share one example for sure. And possibly two, uh, angels in world war two. I'm going to read about, uh, Winston Churchill and he Obviously, wasn't what you would call the most pious Christian gentleman ever to walk the face of the earth. Uh, drank two bottles of whiskey and smoked a pile of cigars every day. But um, I think they understood the power of prayer. That's good. Uh, I'm going to go back to this. This was during the Battle of Britain. One Sunday morning in September 1940, Prime Minister Churchill and some military advisors were in an underground operations room in southern England watching the lights on the electrical battle charts. There was a dangerous shortage of materials and intelligence reports showed that German forces were preparing to invade England. On that otherwise quiet Sunday morning, a sudden alert heralded the approach of Nazi aircraft from several directions. 40 from one direction, 60 from another, followed by a formation of 80. This was only the beginning. Aircraft continued to fill the sky from every direction. 
As each Nazi formation neared the English coast, a British squadron would rise to meet it. Since there were only 25 squadrons assigned to the fighter command defending south southern England, soon all of them were in the air. Tension grew in the underground shelter. Then, inexplicably, the markers on the wall chart began to move eastward. The great Nazi air flotilla had turned back. With 185 of their aircraft down in flames, they were in retreat. Miraculously, against all logistical probability, the Royal Air Force had won the battle. There was no natural outcome, natural explanation, I'm sorry, for the outcome of this Nazi attack during the Battle of Britain, but intelligence officers who interrogated downed Nazi airmen heard this question from at least three different men. Where did you get all the planes you threw into the battle? The British force was inferior, but the Germans claimed that they were outnumbered by the British planes that they saw. Again, mm. again, Britain as a nation was praying for the safety of their country and their military forces. And there's some examples up here uh, from World War I also. From 1940 until the end of the war, the people throughout the Commonwealth observed a moment of prayer at 9 p.m. each day. An imprisoned Nazi intelligence officer told his captors this, With the striking of your Big Ben clock each evening at 9, you used a secret weapon which we did not understand. It was very powerful, and we could find no countermeasure against it. Evangelist mm-hmm. Billy Graham in his book, awesome. Angels, God's Secret Agents, right? Related an incident that reportedly occurred during the week's-long Battle of Britain. He, re- he quoted reporter-author uh, Dela Rogers St. John's story of, some cel- of a celebration sometime after the war, at which Chief Marshal Lord Hugh Dowding was present. And if you know anything about uh, Second World War history and the Battle of Britain, Dowding was the guy that ran the battle. Uh, on the British side. Did not know that. Ah, you learned something. <laughs> right. Lord Doubting told of British pilots who were badly wounded or even dead in their cockpits, yet their planes kept flying. On occasion, other pilots saw figures at the controls who were not RAF pilots. The Air Chief Marshal believed angels actually were piloting those planes. Roy Hicks Sr. wrote about a chaplain in the U.S. Armed Forces during World War II. During World War II, Chaplain Alex B. Cowie was stationed in the Pacific and riding in a U.S. transport plane when it was attacked by Japanese fighters. His plane was so badly shot up that the pilot said, we can't make it, we're going down. As the chaplain prayed, he looked out the window. The Lord opened his eyes and he saw a mighty angel holding up the wing of the plane. He looked out the other side and saw another angel holding up that wing. After they landed, Cowie said, everyone who saw the plane touched down, marveled that it had made it back with everyone safe because it was so shot up. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And I just read this one um, about uh, angels rescue a man stranded in a desert. This is not a war story. And I don't even, it didn't even really say that somebody was praying, but who's to say that somebody in his family, family or even praying? somebody that he didn't know. Right. You know, God uses us to pray for people that we don't even know. How about. many times have we done that? Several, we've been praying, many, and it's like know. God said, you need to pray for this situation or whatever, and we, and we pray. And what's the what's the um, what's the phrase that we usually use for that for that situation? And everything was okay. All is well. All is well. Yeah. Yep. And what happened? Nothing. All, all is well is what all happened. All is well. Yeah. Yep. A man named Bob Leach sent a story to my ministry's office in Great Britain. I'm saying this is probably Terry Law's office about what he believes was an angelic assistance rendered to him in Saudi Arabia. It occurred in 1977. Leach was driving an American-made sedan, not a four-wheel drive vehicle, from a construction camp to Dahran on a seldom-used road with no nearby towns or villages. 
At about 1 o'clock p.m., as the temperature soared to 120 degrees, Leach's vehicle hit a dip in the road and threw his car into soft sand. Immediately, he was stuck, and for the first time in all his desert traveling, he didn't have any water with him. Mm-hmm. Trying to shovel the vehicle free only caused sand to slide in and around the wheels. Leach knew that if he started across the desert on foot, his chances of rescue were almost zero. The only recourse was to sit in the car and wait for a passerby if any would come along. He'd been there for about an hour when suddenly three men who looked like Bedouins appeared seemingly out of nowhere. Leach writes, I had not seen them approach, although I had been keeping a constant lookout for the past hour. They were dressed as you might think the shepherds in the Bible might have looked. We greeted one another in Arabic, and they handed me a goatskin bag of water. That was the coolest water I ever tasted. They helped me to move the car by vigorously bouncing it as I reversed onto the harder surface at the side of the road. I thanked them, got into the car. I was at an angle and needed to complete my reverse, straighten up, and then continue. As I reversed and turned back onto the asphalt, I intended to wave one last time, but there was no one there. The surrounding area was completely flat for miles, and there was no sign of them. I never saw them come, and I never saw them go. Sounds like angelic assistance to me. (laughs) I like it. That's so awesome. That's all. And, you know, I, I, I share that. To say this, back to what the Lord shared with me, appealing to heaven releases the angelic heavenly host to fight on our behalf. And we go back to these uh, examples of Alvin York and Mitchell Page and the British in the Battle of Britain, and there's so many other stories. In uh, Terry Law's book, there's a story about a Vietnam village that was spared from annihilation because the villagers prayed. Um, the story of Jehoshaphat and Asa, it just... So many of these stories come from appealing to heaven, right. praying to the Lord, mm-hmm. and Him saying, "Okay, right, I'm I'm in I'm in with that." Uh, you know, and how many times did and you look at Nehemiah too when they were rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem? Mm-hmm. Said, "If you hear the trumpet blow here at a hole in the wall, we will all go there, and the Lord will fight for us." That's good. That's good. I don't know if now would be a good time to share, but I had a word from God the other night. And basically, this is what it said. The sound of heaven is changing, Mm. ringing of victory. (laughs) And then the billion soul harvest has begun. Yeah. So I thought that was exciting. Uh, Do you have that, what the Lord shared with you at the end of January? I do. I think uh, just in kind of wrapping up this series, you know, Appealing to heaven is the way that we're going to we're going to see this nation turn around. I'm firmly convinced of it. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, and that's what we want to do, and that's why we've gone into teaching on this because that's what we think every believer should be doing. If you're if you're tired of seeing your liberties eroded slowly but surely. Not even, not even hiding it anymore. It's just blatant erosion of our personal freedoms. Attempts to to do that. Um, there's one recourse that we have, and that's to appeal to heaven. Right, right. Go ahead, Virgil. Well, this was actually um, just looking at the date. It was December 24th of 2020, uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah, and it was be not afraid of the times ahead, for my glory shall arise afresh. Hmm. So. That's, that's powerful. That's um, that's a good word. 
It's a, it's a very good word. And I, I think it's, I think it's very applicable for now because, you know, there's a lot of people who are in fear, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you, you can't really say you blame them just for being concerned. Right. Right. You know, yeah, they're concerned for their children and their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. They're concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people are concerned about people that are not currently in the kingdom of heaven. Right. And the realization that, you know, we are in the latter days of the end time mm-hmm. and there's going to be, Jesus is coming again. Very, you very know, soon. That's what we've read the book. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we read the end of the book. We know how it ends up. <laughs> <laughs> so I think a lot of people are concerned. They are and, and afraid. Mm-hmm. And if this hits you right in the heart and says, you know what? I'm afraid. Be encouraged. Appeal to heaven. You know, if you're a believer and you still are, you know, having that that concern or fear for your mm-hmm. your children, grandchildren um, coming up, appeal to heaven on their behalf. And, and if, if you're not a believer, take the opportunity and ask Jesus into your heart, confess him with your mouth, ask forgiveness of sins mm-hmm. and of the sin nature, and your name, you know, you'll your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life yep. as you progress and you remain with God. You need to continue, I believe you need to continue seeking God mm-hmm. and seeking his ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a perfect way to end this. Yes. Absolutely perfect. So thank and you. And if you do yeah, make a ahead. decision for Christ through this time with us, Moment with M&MJ, we are uh, buying Bibles so that we can get one to you. So let us know mm-hmm. and we will um, purchase a Bible for you. We've we've already done that for one individual and we're excited about that. So yeah. we want to do more. So let us know. Yeah, we want to help people to have a... a a victorious Christian life Mm -hmm. and to make disciples. That's what Jesus commanded at the end of uh, the book of Matthew, right before he ascended into heaven. He said, go and make disciples, teaching them. So we want to help you. We want to uh, give you those tools to help you be a victorious, on fire, (laughs) busting the devil in the chops every chance you get Christian. Amen. So praise the Lord. Thanks for joining us. We sure appreciate it. And uh, we will check you next time on the broadcast. Have a great day.